Welcome to Rising Together, a weekly inspirational podcast designed and dedicated to honor stories of human resilience, creativity, and healing. I'm your host, Meg Collier. Thanks for joining me here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rising Together. I'm Meg, and I'm excited today to share with you a new episode format this season called Real Talk. Real Talk was developed and born of some late night conversations that I would do on a Facebook live stream, and people kept asking me to make a podcast of it, and I thought in relaunching Rising Together that this type of conversation fit very nicely into what we're doing here And so I'm excited to feature many creative humans that I've come in contact with uh, along my journey that will help us really get to the meat of all of it, right? Because I think that there's a lot of fluff out there. I think that a lot of people are beating around the bush looking for some sense or some path and Real talk is really a way for us all to be transparent and honest, not only with each other, but with ourselves. And especially on the creative or self-employment path, I think that we get real about what we've chosen and what we're faced with and how we continue to usher our greatness into the world, we do have to get real. And I hope that these conversations help you do just that. Today, I am so thrilled to share with you my friend Thurza Voise. Thurza is a hippie, witchy, earthy mama who has figured out that life according to her own soul uh, is about making room for joy, health, freedom, and abundance. Thurza, much like me, was a member of the Western middle class and her, like so many others, spent her life working hard to exercise control and keep herself safe and in doing so she also kept her life pretty small and she was dealing with loads of anxiety and a loss of energy at 40 years old she decided to cut the crap and finally listen to her heart and her soul and it's been a beautiful journey for her ever since Thurza is the owner and operator of Soul Farm and at Soul Farm you learn to dive deeply into your own inner nature Um, Thurza teaches her clients how to quiet their mind and become entertained by horses who she works with on the farm. And she does that by working with your emotional agility and through meditation, pranayama breathing exercises, uh, among other different types of modalities. I'm so thrilled to share Thurza and her story and all of her real talk today in the conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Thurza. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. And I'm so excited to dive into this Real Talk episode that you and I have curated together. And today we're going to be talking about all about what we do when we betray our intuition and what we can do to really like tune into that voice and find our way back to being in a really powerful relationship with our intuition as we use it as a tool and a compass to make our way through our day-to-day. And I am just so excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. Intuition has been a big 
thing in my life and continues to be. So yeah, let's dig into it. Yeah. Like, why don't we start right there? Um, Tell me and the audience a little bit about what it was like when you first started to connect with your intuition or realize that this wasn't just a, a passing thought. Mm-hmm. So I was actually, I've told this story a few times, but I was actually probably six or seven. And as I fell asleep, I used to have this feeling of expansion and bigger. And I was the whole earth and I was the whole universe. And as soon as I got to, like I was doing the planets, because I think my brother was doing planets in school. <laughs> and, and then as soon as it kind of went beyond our galaxy, it got so big and I felt this big energy in my body, kind of Kundalini-esque. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, it scared me. And so I remember that feeling of being really scared. And so I just shut that off. And then I kind of shut it off for a long time. And I started to do really controlling things in the world because I was afraid and I had this fear around my parents dying. And so I would like very OCD, fix their boots and think that I was gonna, it was my job to keep them alive through weird things that I could do. And, or not weird, unrelated things that I thought I could do. And so that control piece really followed me for a long time. And then, and then I had um, a divorce at, was I 35-ish? And it was really just, I had been really ignoring it for that whole time and trying to, getting little tiny windows of when I would feel uh, really connected. Mm. They were usually in nature, I would run all the time or skiing, something where I was, my brain was not on uh, hyper mode. And then when I had the divorce, it was like, this is my time, I'm going to be my best self and I'm really going to listen. And that's when it all started to come back to me. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I have to say that the um, introduction to my intuition, um, I didn't know I was an intuitive person uh, because I was so wrapped up in codependency. And so I sought my validation from sources outside of myself. And then so, um, you know, I would say, probably right after I got married, I started having more of this like creative muse. And that's how it was showing up. Like I had named it, I think I had watched Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk. And I was like, oh yes, I have a creative muse that I can talk to, right? And I was like, um, I didn't want like something inside of me. Like it, it still had to be outside of me, right? But it was intercessing on my behalf. And then I came up against it when I went through my divorce, when I was 32 or started, you know, releasing myself from that marriage because I had no direction. I had no compass. I was like at the bottom of my barrel. My body was kind of rallying against me and I had to surrender. And I didn't really know what I was surrendering to the unknown, the uncertain, like having to, you know, use that control to figure it all out. Um, And once I did, it was, just like this brilliant unfolding. And it really wasn't unfolding for me. It was like little bits at a time. Mm. So like this place where I'm at like now four and a half some years later, where I look at everything so differently. I'll even go back and look at a video or listen to an email or or a, a podcast or something that I did. And I'm like, whoa, that was an entirely different person. And I think now it's because I'm leading with the compass in my heart instead of one that operates on how I can please and cater to other people's needs. 
Yeah, that pleaser really undermines us, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say the pleaser and her best friend, the naysayer, right? Mm-hmm. That that voice of like, who do you think you are? Like, do you really think that this is the way to go or what's actually going on? And um, I was at odds with those things, with this feeling and this tug that I had in my heart, but also like, what will they think of me? How will I fit in? Who will actually want to be part of this? You know, or whatever it is that we're building. So there's, I'm curious if we can dive into how people who might feel that they're intuitive or might feel like they have some sense of intuition, how can they get in better relationship with it? How do they kind of start to show up for that? And maybe just ways that you have brought yourself to that relationship as well. Yeah, for me, it's been nature. So that's something that I've always done throughout my life. And it was different, different ways. I would start where it was just when I was, I was always a runner. And so when I was younger, I would go into the bush and just run, run, run and let my thoughts go. It was like my therapy because thoughts could just come. And, and then that got to be too fast. And so I would, um, I would still run, but I would just let the thoughts go and really notice nature and I remember running with a friend and I said, just listen to the birds. And she was like, I don't hear any birds. <laughs> not listening to the birds. And I was like, okay, we'll get there. And then she told me years later that she now listens to the birds. But, um, but now it's mostly walking through nature and just listening. And I will go on these kind of spirit walks and I'll just, if I'm feeling really full of angst, I will go and I'll say, okay, universe, I need an answer by the time I get back and sometimes I'm even like I gotta be back in an hour and I need an answer yeah yeah and and so um so that's something for me is that you do have to slow down and that's a tricky one in our life right and there's there's all these reasons why we can't and mostly the biggest reason is because we don't want to be alone with our thoughts that's a scary place. There's some real talk for us we don't want to be alone with our thoughts Oh my God. Yeah. I wonder how many people right now are like sitting in their car or like at their desk with their headphones on and are like, holy shit, that's real. Yeah. All right, there's that. I have a question for you. I'm very curious about something you said earlier. You talked a little bit about some control patterns or behaviors you had when you were younger. And I'm curious how they might have shown up as you were diving into your intuition did you find difficulty moving away from thinking that was more like either or it has to be this or that and to thinking that was more encompassing and you know about holding both and mm-hmm. yeah um fear was something that i i dealt with for a long time and i had to really kind of like i said before put it on a put it on a stool in the corner of my consciousness and allow um, love to really come up front. And, and I'm a, I'm a huge love being as most of us are. Well, all of us are. And then that gets covered over. Right. So I was really like, Oh, I can't be that big, huge love being that I am. I, and so when I kind of made that choice, it was like, okay, well, fear, fear, fear. And it just continued to, um, to kind of whack me for many, many years as far as control goes. And then, yeah, as my life started to slow down, I really did realize that things weren't coming through control. The things I wanted were only coming when my heart was open and when I was allowing those things to flow. 
And so I, that was my only compass was I'm going to follow this, my heart, and that's it. And the rest, everybody's just going to have to shut up. And, you know, that's hard because people oh, yeah. are loud. We're loud. Um, and then, but my soul, I think you said earlier how loud yours is. And mine, mine is loud too. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shutting her up. <laughs> so. Yeah. I feel it. I mean, I mean, I can, I work with, um, animal medicine cards and tarot cards every day. And in the beginning, it was so hard for me to like, I would like look at the cards and I'd be like, what are you saying to me? And like, I would really, I would almost like work to tune into something. And then through employing a meditation practice, I realized that all I needed to do was show up with the intention to hear and kind of wait. And what would that look like if I added, you know, this certain burning ritual to, and, and it built off of that. And I think one of the things you said, so is so important is that like the way to start is just to notice, hmm. like to notice that you're even hearing a little voice in your head or notice that you have a tug in a certain direction or, you know, we were, we were talking about this before we hopped on the podcast a little bit, but like how ideas come into your awareness, you know, and, and how they show up. And why don't you share a little bit with us about that process and how it was maybe for you um, when you were having to make some big decisions with ideas and how you leaned into your intuition? Yeah. So I've always been a pretty big manifester. So I, uh, I want big things. <laughs> <Not> yes. <somebody. laughs> I'm not happy to just hang. I used to, uh, I worked as a social worker for the government for 11 years. And, you know, I did all the things. I went to school. I went to university. I graduated. I got married. I had babies. I got the job with the government, all the things. And I wasn't happy. And I thought, what, this is the life that I was told I was supposed and shown by the world I was supposed to live, by my family at least, and I can't stand it. And so <clears throat> I started to, well, again, it was the divorce that really set me free of all of those things and thought, well, if that ain't going to work, then maybe I should try something yes. new for all of it. Here we go. <laughs> um, so we went off to India and that really shifted things and came home and then it was just one thing after another. And when I followed my heart, it was just, this is what I want. But again, when you start listening, you got to be ready for what's coming. Right. And so for me, it was horses. And then I'm looking at my new husband going, I know I didn't mention this in our like first couple years, but <laughs> horses are coming into our lives because that's my business now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's let's talk about, I just want to go into that for a little, I'm just going to pull back the curtain for a little bit here and, and you don't have to get too personal for us, but for anybody out there, who's kind of doing this, leaning into their intuition and, you know, has a, a partner or spouse or even family members or friends, and you get this inspiration of creativity, this piece of intuition. Um, how did you present that? Like, how did it, how did you feel in showing up with that? How did that play into your relationship? Well, I've told him many times, and I've told my daughter this too, because she's in a, in a relationship at 17, that the people who are with us in relationship have to be ready, and they have to be 
strong and hold space for the bigness that we are. And I think this is true for everybody, right? And that, um, you know, because people will, it is very hard to present these big ideas to somebody who is not in the mood. And even, you know, my partner at the time was like, I'm really happy in our little city home that's all redone and beautiful. And I have my little office on the back and that's all good. And I was like, nope, I'm going back to work and I need a business and my business is horses. And here we go. And so he was like, and I mean, bless his heart. He's, he's with me and he's, he's willing to go on the journey and is, and also is an adventurer at heart. But worthiness has been a huge part and I think mm. a huge part for most people who do this kind of work is that this is this is who I am and this is who I have to express to the world and like it or lump it because when you are that pleaser you're used to shifting your whole self to be who somebody else wants and this is an entire shift to that oh you are gosh. who you are deal with it <laughs> More real talk. You are who you are. Hashtag deal with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you're speaking so much. Like we have so many, we've known this since we've met so many synergies in our stories. Like you're just like a couple chapters ahead of me in some spaces and live in, in Canada, which I envy greatly. But um, <laughs> um, one of the things I realized after getting divorced and trying to date, because I was really certain that there was somebody out there for me right? I had just married somebody who didn't match my adventure, adventure level or my aggressive enthusiasm level. <laughs> um, and I wanted, like you said, you said you wanted, I want big things. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted big things, but I've always caged myself and played small for that exact worthiness issue, yeah. right? For that thing that like thinking that the only way that I could garner love was by showing up in the way that people wanted me to. And what I've, done in the past two years is flip the script and said, no, you're just not that you're not good enough for me because I have this list of what's going to be really good for me of like how I really see it going down. The thing about meeting this person was like, when you know, you know, and, and I knew, I knew from like the moment I walked across the street and like gave him a hug that like, we were about to like go on an epic adventure together. And like real talk, four months in, I'm like, holy shit, where are we going? I didn't think this was possible because what our intuition allows us to do is find the road. And I think what the people do along that road is mirror back to us our shine and our greatness. And um, if we're aligned, if we're following the path that's aligned to us, we really do invite those people in you know, and from a business perspective, we invite those ideal clients in, right? We invite that next adventure in or that next um, step in whatever direction we're going to grow. And I think nurturing our intuition is one of, one of the most brilliant gifts that we can give ourselves in this, this go around the earth. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think it's the number one thing actually for, um, for any kind of healer work or um, wellness work or um, even just happiness, right? They write all these books about joy and all the things. And if you, if you are living from your heart, you're happy. If you're living from your mind, you're probably not right. Or from your, from your ego, let's say. Um, And I think, I think the real big piece around uh, worthiness and even manifesting that I think a lot of us get wrong is that 
we put something out there, if we can, if we can feel worthy enough to even put it out there, right. Even have the idea. It's almost instantaneous for me. I don't know about you, but yeah, I'll have this idea sometimes and I'll just on its heels are all the reasons why I can't. Right. And it's almost that fast that I don't even catch it. It took a lot of awareness because I was blaming it on my husband that he does that, mm. but I was doing it before he would even do it. <laughs> so, and like my example is, uh, another horse coming and we have this much space and we've agreed on this many horses. Um, and I, I didn't sign that agreement in blood. So, <laughs> <laughs> and when you're in this kind of business, you know, there's other ones that pop up their head and they're like, Hey, I'd like to come hang out and work there. Or this is part of my journey too, or whatever. And of course you can't have every single one cause you have to pay for them and blah, blah, blah. But that putting it out there and then instead of shooting it down immediately, actually letting it float like a hot air balloon or like a balloon is, is huge. And, you know, manifesting is a big piece. That is a big piece to manifesting is just letting that thing float without shooting it. And even for a day, even for a minute, letting it float before you do something is big. Yeah. I think that all of our, uh, we've, uh, uh, many of us have been, you know, self-help booked and gurued into thinking that the best way to our joy and satisfaction is by engineering it, by like doing certain actions or following certain formulas. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who has followed and, or attempted to follow a lot of those formulas, like I found that it just doesn't work for people that are, you know, soul driven, spirit based, universe oriented, you know, who do like to play big in this way because we're creating our own rules and we're all so unique. And one of the things that came up when you, to me, when you were talking about the manifestation is really like that self-witnessing that has to happen to adjust the habit to like self, to self-correct and course correct in the moment is really difficult in the beginning, but it is like how you know that you're showing up and doing what we like to call the invisible work around here. You know, that the unheralded hard, deep inner work that says, oh no, that's an old version of me. And I'd really like to move and shift and adjust in this direction. You know, and I always say to people like, I reserve the right to change my mind because my intuition isn't always 100% either. You know, I might go down something out of like curiosity and intuition, like a sign has come in and I just like have dropped in like 110% and I'm like, oh, this wasn't for me. And I think that's okay too. Like we have to realize that there is still a human element, right, to our intuition. Like we're still gonna figure out things like that might have felt good or seemed good and when we release the attachment to the end result, we can also kind of release some of that disappointment or um, expectation that comes along with it. Because here's my real talk, expectations breed premeditated disappointments. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> right? Right? Because like same thing with your husband, you almost had the expectation that he was going to be like, well, this, well, that, well, that. And then you're even prepaving it by showing up with that and then more of that comes into the vibe and so i have found that in my manifestation releasing that attachment to whatever it might be and like you said letting it float in that moment where you can really visualize in your case you with the the new horse that you're inviting in yeah. you know um or you know me with a new podcast interview or a new client that i'm entertaining um 
we get to give ourselves that gift of experiencing it before it arrives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where that manifestation magic, that energy really lives is like, are you worthy? And do you believe you are worthy of receiving this? And how does it feel when it comes? Woo! Yes. Attach the feeling to the belief and like, let it float. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know where else um, my intuition has been so huge uh, and that I've had to bring it back online from ignoring it for so long is with other people. And with, like, I really feel people. And I think most of us do feel people in an intense way when they're, when we're, you know, first meeting them or even just interacting. And you can feel, I mean, I, I kind of feel in chakras. That's just how my, mm-hmm. my, my system works, but you can feel somebody, you can feel whether you trust them or you don't trust them. And for me, I'm always trying to figure that out from my mind. Like, I've had this, this person I've known for a long time and just did not trust that person, just did mm. not. And I couldn't figure out why, wanted to figure out why, but just allowed it to be. And I was still, you know, in a relationship that I didn't have to dive in and, you know, get into the nitty gritty. And so, and one day, and it was really fulfilling for me because one day um, this person was going through some big stuff and became very vulnerable. And so I saw on an energetic level, the different things that were going on and the disconnections. And so that relayed back to me what I was feeling, right? So it was this, this neat circle. And so I really trust that now that if I get that similar feeling or, um, or any kind of feeling other than just flow, I pay attention to it. And I think witnessing that that intuition and understanding how it feels and where it shows up in your body is so integral to like honing, honing your intuition too. Because once you start connecting, oh, this feels soothing, like this is trust, or this is what love feels like, then you can start picking up on other people's stuff. For me, it kind of came at me with other people. Like it kind of sideswiped me because I was working remotely um, as I do as a, a coach, and I was getting people's stuff like energetically before I got on the call with them. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't explain it. Like, I would get sudden, like, I would have a, su- a sudden stomach issue, or I would be absolutely panicked, nervous when nothing was going on. And then I'd get on the call and I'd witness the client in front of me, like, and really try to relate back oh, this person is so nervous. This person is really navigating some heavy grief. This person struggles with stomach issues. Like it was very interesting how just by being open to receiving that client on my calendar that when I showed up, even for our first meeting, even if we had never spoken before, oftentimes I could connect what was showing up for me energetically in my body to what was going on with them. And that's when I knew I was an intuitive person. That was like my big aha moment. Like (laughs) you should probably work with this a little bit more. Um, And the more meditation I do and the more I show up for the practice, the more pronounced those gifts become. And, you know, where we started this conversation was really talking about how we almost wanted to um, not stay still or be quiet to like not have to deal with it. Or there's a lot of people that just block it out because it's so frightening. Mm -hmm. 
And I really want to salute you today, Thursa, for coming here to share your journey because I know it has inspired so many people to just lean into it a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? To get curious about what sensations are showing up in your body or what your gut is telling you. Like there is something to that, right? Like that is powerful work. It's researched work. You guys can check out um, Dr. Joe Dispenza in the show notes. Becoming Supernatural is a really good book. Um, A lot of his work will tell you that the heart actually receives, um, it has brain cells in it and it actually receives messages before they happen, energy that goes up to the brain that then shoots energy down to your body. And that's where you get the gut feeling. And I loved that because I was like, oh, the gut feeling isn't just a thing that they say, you know, the ubiquitous they, it's really a thing. Mm -hmm. And I love that we're now seeing the science kind of rise to support um, the belief and the practices that have helped us expand our awareness, our businesses, and our souls and spirits. It's so exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. It is. Thursa, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much for joining me here today for some serious real talk. You laid it down for us and I am so grateful to have had this conversation with you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun. Yes. If you'd like to learn more about Thursa Voise and her work, please visit her at www.soulfarm.ca. Thank you so much for listening to Rising Together. This podcast was edited by Sharon Rudiman of Wild Women Healers. The podcast is hosted by me, Meg Collier. You can get today's show notes at togetherinrising.com forward slash podcast. To support Rising Together, consider subscribing and reviewing the podcast or becoming a monthly supportive member. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to yours for being here as we document the journey of rising from the ashes. Thank you.